Welcome back to Investing Experts Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Snyder. In this episode, our very own Stephen Kress, head of quantitative strategy at Seeking Alpha, joins us to share a few of his top stock picks for this year. As you'll hear more about in this episode, overall, his top 10 stocks for 2022 outperformed the market. So we dive in a little bit deeper of how he approaches choosing the stocks for this list, utilizing the Seeking Alpha Quant system. And I should mention, we open the black box and dive into the strategy behind the system as well. Just a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast should not be considered investment advice. At times, myself or the guest, my own positions in the securities mentioned, but this is for entertainment purposes only, and you should seek advice from a licensed professional before investing. If you enjoy this episode, please do us a favor and leave a rating or review on your favorite podcasting app. All right. What a treat. Steve Crest, the man, the myth, the legend here joining us today on Investing Experts Podcast. Steve, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I want to give you know you the opportunity. Do you have like a one, two, three minute pitch of just like, what's your background, how you got started in quantitative finance and investing and, and just give the background for the people that don't maybe know who you are? Yeah, sure. So uh, I've been in the world of finance for over 30 years. Uh, way back when I started as an equity research analyst for what is now Wells Fargo. Uh, the area that I covered was closed end funds, which was comprised of uh, actual equity funds and country funds and fixed income funds. And it was a, a great uh, learning experience to get into the industry. The bulk of my career was 14 years at Morgan Stanley, where I worked in both New York and London. And for Morgan Stanley, I ran uh, prop trading desk in quantitative strategies. Uh, incidentally, Morgan Stanley is where I originally met David Jackson, who is the founder and CEO of Seeking Alpha. Uh, he worked at Morgan Stanley as a telecom equipment analyst in New York, and we crossed over initially at that point. Uh, obviously, that's a great segue to how we reconnected. Uh, a few years ago, I had founded a hedge fund in London, and simultaneously, I also founded a fintech company Crest Cap Investment Research. And it was during that period that uh, David and I uh, crossed over and the FinTech company that I had created was akin to a robo-analyst where a user could input any stock name in the world and get an instantaneous equity research report with a fresh daily recommendation, uh, as well as a fresh in interpretation of the valuation framework. Uh, both the hedge fund and the FinTech company utilized the same, same uh, stock selection algo. Eventually the FinTech entity became a far more interesting company to run. And I decided to do that full time. When the technology was up and running a couple of years ago, we were actually charging $5,000 per subscription. Uh, in essence, that those quantitative metrics that we score and rank, you get that right now on Seeking Alpha and really honestly a much more user-friendly experience. Uh, about two years into running the FinTech company, I uh, reconnected with David. When we looked at each other's platform and he looked at uh, CrestCap Investment Researchers platform and I looked at Seeking Alpha's platform, we both knew right away that we had to merge these companies. Uh, the result is what we now see today in Seeking Alpha, it's an amazing platform of news, qualitative research through crowdsourcing and state-of-the-art quantitative analysis that again is still refreshed every single day. Uh, notably, the subscription is no longer $5,000. I think a current subscription to Seeking Alpha is now $239 a year, but there may even be a sale going on right now, so it could actually be half that amount. 
Um, what else can I share with you, Daniel? For the people that may not know what a quant system is, let's, let's kind of explore that real quickly. What is the basics of a quant system and what makes it so powerful? Okay, look, I'll, I'll definitely start with the latter part of that. What makes it so powerful is when it works, the performance is great. And we do have a model that works really well at Seeking Alpha. Uh, just by background, the quant strategies performance, if you took uh, all our strong buys uh, over a very difficult year last year, we outperformed the S&P 500 by almost 15% in 2022. Uh, if you're aware, we also rate dividends and 99% of dividend cuts could have been averted uh, you owned a stock with a dividend safety rate of A plus to A minus. So that means if you look at dividends, you really want to find ones that have a dividend safety rate of A plus to A minus. Those are very, very safe. Uh, conversely, we rate all stocks. They can be rated a sell, a strong sell, a buy, or strong buy. If you look just at the sells, the stocks rated as a sell or strong sell underperformed the market by 19% in 2022. So that means if you were a hedge fund and you wanted short stocks, uh, your performance was far superior than to just shorting the S&P 500. Uh, and also, we have a new product that we came out with last July. It's called AlphaPix. And AlphaPix outperformed the S&P 500 by 7.5% in 2022. And we just started that product in July of last year. So we have really good plump performance that I believe validates the process and strategy that we use. So what is quantitative? Well, I will tell you quantitative is not a subjective or biased opinion. It is not determined by talking to emotional analysts or cheerleading CEO or CFO who's really hyped up. Quantitative investing, it's a data-driven process that relies on computers crunching historical financial data, as well as professional consensus future estimates. Uh, those are estimates that are generated by Wall Street analysts, and we take the consensus growth numbers from those analysts. So we're blending historical data and future data when we make our assessments. Each metric and data point is scored and ranked. The basis of the quantitative methodology is to give investors an instant characterization of a stock's relative strengths and weaknesses compared to its sector. The main factors that we look at are value, growth, profitability, momentum, and analyst EPS revisions. So when we look to score companies, it collectively has to score well on all of those metrics. Uh, and under those metrics, there are many, many underlying metrics. In fact, every single day, we crunch over 600,000 data points to give investors a fresh opinion of where a company stands versus its peer group. The measurement of this leads to a directional recommendation being a buy, hold, or sell. Uh, the platform itself is very transparent as we show those underlying metrics that contribute to the recommendation. It is a very user-friendly experience as each metric that we look at, by example, it could be EPE, price to sale, revenue growth, ROE. Each of those metrics is given an academic letter grade, A plus through F. And this indicates how that metric compares relative to the sector. So if you're looking at Exxon's profitability and it has an A+, you know that it's far stronger than the rest of the energy sector. Uh, in my opinion, this is really noteworthy. 
unlike most institutional platforms or investor websites that provide data information, Seeking Alpha interprets the data for investors with that relative score against the PR. Data alone can just be a lot of white noise. So if you're looking at a Bloomberg or Reuters or FactSet or even many of the other individual investor websites, they'll tend to have market pages and data pages. And to me, that's just a lot of white noise after a while. By scoring it and interpreting it, we're doing the client a huge service so they instantly know where that metric stands for a company versus its peers. The SA grade makes it easy to determine the stock's health and quickly measure the quality of individual companies or entire portfolios made up of stocks or stocks with dividends or ETFs or REITs. We have grades on many securities. Notably, the quant system also automatically ranks stocks in their sectors and industries. This makes it really easy for the user to know exactly where a company stands. Does it rank number one in the industry, number 22, number 122? Seeking Alpha screeners also use these rankings to help filter out investments based on an individual's particular style or financial criteria or any parameters that they want to set up. It makes it easy to filter out those names since we have that ranking in place. So that gives you a little bit about how the quant works. There's a lot of background there, right? Like how hard it is to get accurate data, relevant data, the future data, like it really is remarkable what you guys have done with this quant system. But I've got to ask you, because some people might be wondering, like what is the methodology approach behind the system? How do I know as an investor that this quant system is relevant for how I like to invest? Well, I think uh, one, you know, it's relevant by the recent performance. I mean, we have a back test that goes back to 2010, which people uh, could easily see on the platform. And, you know, the back test looks great. But to me, like the real relevant number is look at last year. You know, it was a horrific year for investors. Uh, and we substantially outperformed the S&P 500. Uh, whether you were looking at our, our top scores for our buys and our strong buys, or you took the reverse and looked at ourselves. Um, either way around, we outperformed. And then when we started a new product that outperformed as well. But the system, again, it's, it's really a data-driven process that's very transparent. When you're on a stock page and you're looking at the value page or the growth page, you'll see what the company's metric is for PE. You'll see the absolute number. So you'll see like PE 10 times, and right next to it, you'll see what the PE is for the sector. You know, it could be 20 times. So when you see the grade, that grade is simply, um, you know, provides you with that measurement of where the metric stands versus the sector. We provide the hard data there for you to see, but that grade just gives that instant characterization. So you could look at it at a glance and see immediately how the company compares relative to its sector. So uh, there's no subjective part to it. Uh, it purely is just looking at the data and looking at an overall assessment. So what we do is we rank all the underlying metrics for value, all the underlying metrics for growth, all the underlying metrics for profitability. And then when we pull those scores together, we can determine if a stock is strong or weak versus its sector just by looking at the data. And that's really how we come up ultimately you know, with that funnel that brings you to the directional recommendation buy, hold, or sell. It's all based on where the data is. Uh, it has nothing to do with what my feeling is or the quant team's feeling is uh, or measurement you know, of a CEO sentiment. 
It's all about the data. All right, Steve. So let me ask you, does your quant strategy reflect any specific style? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Uh, I would say our we do have a specific style. We are looking, as I mentioned before, for companies that are collectively strong in a number of factors. I would call that sort of a GARP style, growth at a reasonable price. Uh, as I mentioned, we're looking at value, growth, profitability, and we weigh it all together. So there are many systems out there that you know simply just focus on momentum or just growth. Uh, being that I've done this for a very long time, I've been you know running props since 2000 and these quantitative strategies. Uh, personally, I feel like the best long-term strategy is a GARP approach where you want to have a balance of growth and value and profitability, as well as momentum and analyst revision. These are all very, very important factors to sort of balance out in the equation of how we pick these stocks. The beginning of this year, just like you did last year, you put out these top 10 stocks that, I mean, this article blew up on Seeking Alpha. We're talking hundreds of thousands of views. So I want to give people here listening to the podcast a little taste. Could you maybe walk us through one, two, maybe three of the stocks that you had on that list just to, to you know, what the appetite? Absolutely. Yeah, the, the article did really well. We had a similar article uh, a year ago. And the uh, the cubicle of stocks outperformed the S&P 500 by almost uh, 10%. It was a really big outperformance. And we picked some of our favorites last year were Exxon and Chevron. And those stocks exploded to the upside last year. So we had some really good picks. Uh, which brings me to the top 10 this year. You know, very popular article. So I'm going to give you three of the stocks. And then if you want to find out the rest, you should read the article. And I would highly recommend that you do that because we have some great names. But I'm going to lead off with, our, 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 I'll say our number one stock, but I don't want to really give any preference of one through 10 here. But the first one we're going to lead off right now with is Jackson Financial, ticker symbol JXN. Market cap is $3.6 billion. It has a quant strong buy rating. Uh, according to our sector ranking, in the financials industry, it ranks number one out of 665 financials. And then within its industry of diversified financials, it ranks one out of six. Uh, really interesting. Um, this stock also has an amazing dividend yield of 5.13% right now. For those that are not familiar with Jackson, it is an industry-leading diversified financial services company. That's one of the very few stocks out of our entire quant universe of 4,700 stocks that has straight A's across the board. That would be for value, growth, profitability, momentum, and EPS revisions. It's very, very rare where we get a stock that has straight A's, but this is one of them. The company possesses an excellent valuation framework. The stock has had strong momentum over the course of last year and going into this year, and that's supported by stellar growth uh, and industry-leading profitability. Jackson offers a number of different services. They offer investment management services, retirement income, and savings products. Uh, I think they're very well known for their annuities. But in terms of uh, the financials, uh, their PE ratio and PEG ratio are at almost a 90% discount to the sector. So it's an incredibly, incredibly attractive valuation. We're also expecting to see double-digit growth in 2023. And when you take that double-digit growth 
combined with that 5% dividend yield, uh, I think it's a stock that investors should definitely consider as it's poised for upside in 2023. Our second stock is Modine Manufacturing Company, ticker symbol MOD. This is uh, what I would call a mid-cap company, almost bordering on small cap. The market cap on it is about $1 billion. This also has a quant strong buy recommendation. And in terms of its sector, it ranks number three out of 550 companies in the sector. And within its industry, it ranks number two out of 36. This is not a new company. Uh, Modine Manufacturing goes back to 1916. So it's got a long history. It's almost over 100 years old, uh, but it's got an amazing history. Right now, they're a big player in the automotive and equipment industry. The stock is also trading at a discount with a 4P ratio of only about 12 times. So it's at about a 16% discount to the sector, but on a peg basis, and that peg ratio, is, to me, it's an all important ratio, because it, it combines value and growth. The peg ratio is at more than a 64% discount to the sector. The company has been knocking the cover off the ball. Over the last five consecutive quarters, they beat both top line and bottom line. They've been benefiting from a uh, pricing model that's been very, very competitive. And they also have a philosophy at the company, which is they refer to it sort of as their 80-20 rule. And that capitalizes on a philosophy that emphasizes focusing on the highest return opportunities of their products. And I think it's been paying off big dividends for them. Now, this is in the consumer discretionary sector, and it's not really a typical consumer discretionary stock. But it fits really well for this environment going to 2023. Uh, we have strong earnings tailwinds. We have healthy financials. And we have fundamentals that are helping catapult this stock into strong buy territory. My last of the three stocks is a little bit controversial. It is a Chinese company called Pinduoduo. Ticker symbol is PDD. It is a huge company. The market cap is $132 billion. This also has a quant strong buy rating. In terms of its sector, uh, it ranks number one out of 550 companies. And within its industry, it ranks number one out of 63. This is a Chinese e-commerce giant. And it sells products that range from cosmetics to apparel to shoes to personal care items. However, it's a little bit different than your typical um, Alibaba or Amazon. As a matter of fact, they actually have more registered users than Alibaba. The platform, it provides sort of an interactive shopping experience along with streaming video. So it has a really unique user-friendly shopping experience that has gained it a lot of success. Now, a lot of you would probably question me and let's say, you know, why on earth would I be recommending a Chinese stock given the tariffs that are out there, uh, massive protests that are occurring, a multi-year COVID lockdown. And my response to that is, China has a huge equity market. And if you look back to where the US was, um, when we just started to open up again after COVID, our economy exploded over here. And China is now going into that phase where they're starting to open up and experience a boom very similar to what the U.S. consumer sector experienced post-COVID. So I think this is a timely recommendation, but regardless of my opinion, it's all about the data. Uh, consensus revenue growth is estimated at 
38% for this company compared to just 11% for the sector and Amazon at 13%. So it's revenue growth is blowing away that of the sector on Amazon. And in terms of the bottom line, the long-term three-year EPS growth estimate is estimated at 42% compared to the sector at 11%. And Amazon, which is pretty good at 22%, but it still blows it away. On uh, gross profit margins, it comes in at 75% and its return on equity is 32%. So that is the reason why I like this Chinese name. The data is incredible. So as I mentioned, there are uh, seven other stocks that are just as interesting. Uh, I encourage you to read the article and check it out. I just got to back that up. I mean, so we're talking about a Chinese consumer play. We've got a manufacturing company and then a financial company as well within the top 10. But your top 10 also includes what? Healthcare, industrial, like you go through every sector within that list, right? Yeah, which is really, you know, kind of interesting because last year there was a propensity for the model to really like energy stocks. Um, and that propensity actually dated back to like 2021 when like, you know, nobody was looking at energy stocks, especially during the midst of the pandemic. Um, our numbers were looking really good. The data was like coming across for these energy stocks and the models started to love the uh, energy sector. And uh, also the materials and mining sector really came across like in 2021. And, and we ended up having like a fantastic year. And the energy stocks were really heavily weighted in the model last year. And that's one of the reasons why we significantly outperformed the S&P 500. I think what's interesting this time around is the model is not so heavily weighted towards energy. And it's just sort of, uh, there's a, a great deal of diversity coming into this year. And we're seeing, you know, companies in the U.S. are, again, are like either industrial companies or financials, but we're also getting a couple international companies there too. Uh, without giving names, you know, we have a French utility company and we have a uh, UK, a British uh, biopharmaceutical. So there's really some great diversity to the list this year. Uh, and personally, I feel like when you want to make money in the market over the long time, diversification helps tremendously. It, it really maximizes your returns and it minimizes risk. It's really incredible what you guys have been able to do with just data right? Removing the human bias and saying, let's just look at the data and see what it's saying. I mean, even the model, like you just mentioned with the oil sector and how, you know, I think we all remember when oil went negative. I'm sure every model on the street was like, nobody touch oil. And then of course, oil exploded to the upside. So it almost sounds like the model is in uh, team soft landing mode over here for all of us U.S. investors. Yeah. It's like, you know, well, that's really like the, the elephant of the room this week, you know, what's going to happen with, uh, with the Fed, what's going to happen with the economy. Uh, and I really like the diversification that the model is presenting coming into that. You know, who knows what's going to happen? You know, if we have another rate hike of like 75 basis points and it's followed up by some miserable earnings reports, you, we could see the market pull back, you know, 20 or 25%. If they only come by like 25 basis points and, you know, earnings come in a little bit better than expected, you know, we could be off to the races. So, um, I'm not going to make any predictions as to what the Fed is going to do uh, and what's going to happen with earnings, but I do know I feel really comfortable having diversified recommendations going into that environment. 
That's really awesome, Steve. And I, I know we all can't wait to see how the top 10 stocks do this year because last year was incredible as well. Steve, I just got to say thank you for taking the time to jump on the podcast here. I know I'm taking way too much of your time, but just so everybody knows, where can they read more of your research? I mean, you're putting out articles all the time. Where can they find those? Yeah, if you go to Seeking Alpha, um, you could just input my name uh, into the, the search box and it'll come up and then you could follow me. So you'll, anytime I write an article, you get an email to you. Uh, lots of times the articles do trend really well. Sometimes you'll see it on uh, trending analysis. But the easiest thing is just, you know, one time go to the platform, put my name in the search uh, box when it comes up, click on follow, and you'll get the article sent to you all the time. And you were asking actually, um, you know, who knows how the stocks are going to do? Well, so far, uh, the top 10 stocks for 2023 are up 7% year to date. 7%. And I think the, uh, what is it? The S&P 500, I think is up at 5% right now. Today's January 31st, by the way, when we're recording this, just so that everybody can uh, put that in perspective. Yeah. So far, uh, year to date, the S&P is up 5.76% right now. So handedly beating the S&P uh, the first 30 days into the year. Steve, once again, thank you so much for everybody listening. Go to Seeking Alpha, type in Stephen Cress in the search bar and click a follow on his author profile. I mean, you're not only doing top 10 stocks for the year, you did top international stocks, top tech stocks, you're breaking everything down. You have earnings articles where you dive in from a quantitative approach before earning calls come out. Really great research there. So I gotta say, thank you for all you do. Thanks for the model. Love the data approach, taking out human bias. And I just encourage everybody to follow you. So um, anything you wanna say before we hop off here? Yeah, no, uh, thanks. Yeah, if you'd like, take a look at the top 10 tech stocks as well, that article. Uh, those stocks are up 11% year to date. So um, we have been knocking the cover off the ball. And uh, I can't thank you enough for having me on your show today. And uh, hopefully we'll have people look at these articles and they'll invest well for the new year. Just a reminder, everyone, if you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating or review on your favorite podcasting app. And we'll see you again next week with a new episode and a new guest.